Okay, we'll take your Bibles now at this time. Let's get right to it. Matthew chapter number five. Matthew chapter five. Appreciate the preaching that took place in our absence. We enjoyed some time down in the Fort Worth area just for some vacation time. Brother Raspberry preached last Sunday morning. Brother Andrew Albert, Sunday night. And uh, Brother Stephen Trimble, who, by the way, our missionary to the Philippines, is on his last uh, preaching location today and completion of his deputation. So thanks be to God that in the midst of a pandemic, uh, the Landys who are here also in deputation and then the Trimbles, uh, God has just faithfully supplied. It's been wonderful to see that. So we've been in a series in Matthew in chapter number five. And so we're going to begin in chapter five and verse 38. If you'd find your place there, Matthew five and verse number 38. And I'll tell you how this, how this developed. <clears throat> um, and how it grew. I was really intending to preach the whole chap, the rest of the chapter, but we're not, we're, we're just not going to get that far. We're just not. Otherwise we'd be here till two. And so you're welcome. So we're going to split it up a little bit. Uh, sermons have a tendency to grow sometimes while you're preaching them, sometimes in the study, it's better to recognize that in the study than in the pulpit. I'll just say, okay. All right. Well, several times here throughout Matthew 5, Jesus has said, you have heard that it has been said, but I say. You have heard that it has been said, but I say. Jesus was not contradicting the law. Of course, the law was given under inspiration, so he would not contradict the law. What he's interacting with is what people were saying about the law, their interpretation. So Jesus is going to take issue with some of what was being said in their day and time with some of the major issues. And we'll rehearse some of them here as we get started this morning. And so this is part three in this little mini series within the series, Jesus is King. And it's what has been said versus what is written. All right, because we need to know what the word of God says, not what man is saying. Because there's a lot of issues in our day and time that desperately need the authority of the Word of God to be applied. Because we can give our spin on it, but until God speaks, then it's just your opinion against my opinion. But when God speaks, that settles it. Okay. Verse 38. You have heard that it hath been said. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. How many of you have heard that? Now that's right out of the law, okay? But how they were applying it was wrong. An eye for an eye and a tooth. I mean, you gotta, you gotta say it with a little bit of spirit, right? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, what we're about to read right here is not easy. What we're about to read right here is not natural. It's not what we want to do. Our Savior says that ye resist not evil, non-resistance. Come again? Yeah, not fighting back. Huh? <laughs> It doesn't fit our brain, does it? Now, we need to understand what he meant, and we also need to understand what he didn't mean. Okay, we're going to get to that. Uh, you resist not evil, 
that ye resist not evil. We need to remember who he's speaking to. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy... Do you notice that? Anytime you see a pronoun, by the way, in the King James Bible, that is T, not ye, with the Y, it's, it's you personally. Whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And you might say, yeah, I've only got two though. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have all have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Go two. Stop counting. Go two. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn, thou, turn not thou away. Let's read the rest of the chapter, and I think you'll see very quickly why we're not covering all of this in one setting. Verse 43, he says, You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and, have, and hate thine enemy. Well, the Word of God doesn't say that. But I say unto you, notice this, it really does go together. And the only reason I'm going to split it into two sermons is just for the sake of time. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain. Boy, didn't he this week? He sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? But, I'm sorry, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is what? Perfect. It's a high standard. Humanly, we will not attain it. This morning, what has been said versus what is written. It's part three. The right, the right way to respond when wronged. The right way to respond when you or someone you love is wronged. How about this? In case you need one more subtitle. Selfless service in a world seeking revenge. Selfless service in a world seeking revenge. May God bless the reading of His Word. I appreciate you standing in honor of the authority of God's word here this morning. May the Lord help us here. <clears throat> One individual that's been a particular help in studying this uh, passage is a man named John Stott. And, and he wrote this about this particular section of scripture. He said the final two antithesis or the final two sections here that we're looking at that we've read this morning he says, bring us to the highest point on the Sermon on the Mount. The highest point on the Sermon on the Mount. For which it is both most admired and most resented. 
for which, or namely, the attitude of total love, which Christ calls us to show towards one who is evil and our enemies. He says this, he goes on, nowhere is the challenge of the Sermon of the Mount greater, nowhere is the distinctness of the Christian counterculture more obvious, and nowhere is our need for the power of the Holy Spirit more compelling than when it comes to us rightfully loving those who even are adversarial towards us. Now, we need to keep in mind that Jesus is preparing his disciples to minister to the multitudes. If you remember the very first part of chapter five, it's very important to get that key that he's in the presence of the multitudes that is there and he calls his disciples unto him and he sits on the mountain and he instructs his disciples, those that would be church planting missionaries, those that would be fathers and husbands and that were indeed, he's instructing his first church, the church that he started and how to respond in a culture that is very different than the one that he will start. Okay. He knew that they would be mistreated. He knew that the world would lack love for what he came to do, but I'm thankful this morning that that their lack of love, that I could even put ourselves in that place as well, that our lack of love did not stop Jesus from giving his life for us. He knew that they would be hunted down from place to place. He knew that they would be persecuted. He knew that it would not be easy to be his followers. He knew that what he was calling on them to do was not their human nature. He knew that it would go against everything in their fiber, everything in their flesh, everything in how they were raised. It would go against everything they thought as, as, a, as a man or as a Jew or, or as an individual living at that day and time. He understood that they would be most tempted to retaliate. He also understood that, that they would be very tempted to hate. Now, I got to say to you today, because we're made of the same stuff, we also are tempted in the same way. That when someone does us wrong, we're tempted to retaliate. That when someone hates us, we are tempted to hate them. And aren't we living here today in this day and time in a, in a time of retaliation? In a time of hatred. And everybody's giving their spin on it, on it. Athletes are weighing in on it. Politicians are weighing in on it. Preachers are like weighing in on it. Women are weighing in on it. Men are weighing in on it. Children are weighing in on it. Everybody's weighing in on this. But what we need desperately today in this day and time, just as it was then, we need God Almighty to weigh in on this to help us understand how are we supposed to respond when someone insults you? How are you supposed to respond when someone injures you? How are you supposed to respond when someone belittles you? When someone, when someone forgets you? When you're treated unfairly? When you're mistreated? When, when, there are, when there is blatant injustice in the world? How are we to respond in those times? What about when people inconvenience you? When you're supposed to, because your boss said so or your drill sergeant said so, drop everything you were doing to do what they said. What kind of attitude ought you to have then? Whether it's parents, professors, or police officers saying pull over. 
he was taking issue and they were taking issues. Hang on, wait a minute. They were addressing the issues of their day. They were addressing issues like this, murder. They were addressing issues like this. This is what we've already covered. They, they addressed issues like adultery and, and divorce. And under what grounds can you divorce? And under what grounds can you remarry? And, and, and they were dealing with that, struggling with that. In fact, that's what we dealt with last time. And in fact, I like what Warren Wiersbe said, the foundation of human society is the family. A gift from God for which no successful substitute has been found and will not be found. So we should not be surprised that, that Satan wants to distort what is a family. And that's what was going on in their day and time. And they had their ideas on this and they were giving their spin. And, and some that were liberal in their thinking were saying, well, you can divorce your wife for any cause. And others were saying it was only for the cause of adultery. And Jesus weighed in on it. We don't have time to get into, into that once again. I'm just trying to illustrate that what the, the scribes and the Pharisees, those that were supposed to care about the word of God, what they were doing is they were doing this. They saw what bar God had said, but because it was hard to reach that, they brought it down to where they could reach it. And they were selective in their obedience and they began to basically do this, take the word of God out of context, twist it, leave parts of it out, add part to it, basically to come up with this, their own way of religion. Well, mercy sakes alive, if you know anything about what's going on in our modern day and times, you know that's exactly what's going on today. Man is crafting religion to, to, to suit himself. And Jesus says, it is being said, but let me weigh in on this about what it means, murder. I'm telling you, not just the act, but the, the hatred in the heart. I want to deal with that. And it's not just the, the act of, of, of adultery, but it's also this, looking on somebody with lust. And he weighed in on oath taking, and, and he basically says this, let your yay be yay, your nay be nay. In other words, you, don't, you shouldn't have to be under oath to tell the truth. You ought to tell the truth regardless of what else you say about it. But here is the matter of retaliation. Here is the matter of justice and injustice. He's interacting with Leviticus 24, Deuteronomy chapter 19, Exodus chapter 21. You'll see this verbiage used eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, and, and uh, breach for breach, and, and, and wound for wound. Uh, and you'll see a lot of wording associated. Sometimes in, in the Old Testament, it's associated if a man harms a woman that has a child. Because the Bible rec represents and re recognizes that life begins in the womb. And so some of it is, is given there. And, and other of it is given when, whenever you come before the court there and the, and the judges and you're brought before the court and they're weighing these things out. And, and so the law had an intent. Hang on, wait a minute. I, I got to get to this right quick. Here's basically what all these passages were saying. It was saying this, listen, the, the punishment for the crime ought to fit the punishment. And that's what it's doing is it's restricting the government at that time from being too harsh in its punishment. And thus, it was an eye for an eye or tooth for tooth. In other words, you don't take a person's life because of this. And there is capital punishment represented in the Word of God, no doubt about that. And so what he's doing is he's relegating. He's saying eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Let's be fair about this. Mm, hang on. Justice is important in the economy and plan of God. And God has established judicial systems and government and, and, and uh, military and police force. We're going to get to that here in just a moment. In Romans chapter 13, they're recognized as the ministers of God. And so there is a place for justice to take place. 
But what this law prohibited was for you as an individual who had been wronged to take matters into your own hands. The context, is everybody following this so far? The context of this, he's saying, listen, in the law, according to Moses, that was to take place, justice was to be done within the judicial system that was set up, and you're to trust that, and you say, wait a minute, I, I would say there's times that the, that the judicial system or the government misses it. Yes, but let me, let me say this. Let me hasten to say this. There is a tribunal. There is a court. There is a judge that does not miss one detail. And God, who is very God, who is omniscient, knows what is and what is not. And he can see right through when somebody's lying. He can see right through what, what is really taking place. And we've got to trust that God ultimately is going to take care of these matters. And what Jesus is saying, it has been said, these scribes and these Pharisees are saying, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. You are right if you want to take personal vengeance. Well, friend, let me tell you something, being from Kentucky, that's how feuds get started. One family insulted another family. Hatfields, McCoys. I mean, come on, it's in our lineage. It, 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 it happened many times in that very way, but that's also exactly how gangs get started. And that's how gang violence takes place. I'm not telling the truth here in this society. And, and that's, how, that's how families get hurt. And you get this individual against this individual and this, this family against this family. And then what can happen, it filters into the church. And, and thus it's this family church against this family in church. And you got strife. Well, wait a minute. There's a right and there's a wrong way to deal with all this. And Jesus is saying, it has been said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I mean, you can just hear their attitude coming across there. I am justified in my action because he poked me in the eye. I'm poking him in the eye. He knocked out my tooth. I'm knocking out two tooth, teeth. Sorry. <laughs> Hang on. It's been a while since I preached. I'll get into it in a minute. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. They're going to get a dose of their own medicine. They got it coming to them, friend. Let me tell you, they got it coming to them. That's the spirit he's dealing with. How many of you say, and don't raise your hand. How many of you say, I struggle with that. Because if, so, I mean, I mean, if somebody cuts me off driving, they have just suddenly enrolled in my driving school. <laughs> and I will teach them what to do and what not to do. Oh, no, you didn't. You, you, and you begin to pull around them or you get right up on their bumper. Oh, you're going to pull in front of me, hey? <laughs> Uh, you know, you're not going to a British accent, but I'm just saying, you, you, you're going to get right up. You're going to teach them a lesson, see? I mean, it's in us. I mean, oh, mercy sakes a lot. My wife knows it's in me. She's seen it, you know, in her pastor and her husband. You're kidding me. Yeah, I mean, it's in us, isn't it? Somebody does you wrong. It's natural to want to strike back. Okay, listen, hang on. Look, we live in a world filled with sinners, you're one of them. I'm one of them. We all need the grace of God. We need to be saved by his grace. You can't be saved by your good works. It's only through what Jesus did to save us all. 
And, and, and so since we live in a world of sinners, then you need to understand you're going to sin against somebody and somebody's going to sin against you. Somebody probably treated you wrong at work this week. Somebody probably did you wrong. You were treated unfairly. Somebody else got the promotion. It ought to have been you or, or this happened or that happened or maybe it was in the family and somebody said this, somebody said that and, and there's this injustice and somebody treated you this way or somebody wronged somebody that you cared about. Hey, listen, friend, Jesus knows all about that. And I love what uh, Brother Sam, who's here today, I, I love what, what he said in his notes on this passage. The master teacher, Jesus, lays the axe at the root of, of the tree of human selfishness and preoccupation with ourselves and our rights. We're living in a day and age that is absolutely demanding our rights. Jesus said, stop demanding your rights. Okay, he can say that to Jews living in Israel, but not to Americans. Because I want my rights. I've got a right to my rights. All right. Here's the big question today, honestly. Do you want to be his disciple? Or do you want to be a disciple of the people that you're listening to on the Internet? Or do you want to be a disciple of the, of the person that's a few doors down from you at the office? And they're saying, man, you need, you need to let them have it. That's so wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong what they did. Whose disciple do you want to be? Do you want to be a disciple of Hollywood that's teaching you how to, how to respond? Do you want to be a disciple of, of people that are taking over cities and burning them down? Do you want to be a disciple of, 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 of people that are using brutal force in a wrong way? Do you, who do you want to be a disciple of? Let's, how about we just do this? It, it may, I, I believe this would help America if, if we as believers would shine as the light and be the salt that Jesus wants us to be. Hey, listen, we shouldn't be surprised that there are people in our secular society that are godless, that are acting the way that they're acting. Jesus is not even addressing them. He's addressing us. And he's saying, as my disciples, don't act like Romans. Don't act like scribes and Pharisees. Don't act like zealots. You act like my disciples and you'll make a difference. So how am I supposed to respond then when somebody does me wrong? What am I supposed to do? You ready for this? Are, are you in the spirit today? Because <laughs> if you're in the flesh, I'm going to say this and it's going to bounce off of you. Because that's what it did to me when I first read it. Are you listening to me? Because it, it doesn't set well with my flesh. Because basically what Jesus is saying is this. As my disciple, I want you to accept injustice. Let the courts deal with the justice. I want you to show love. <laughs> I was afraid he was going to say that. Somebody hits you, it's your tendency to hit them back. Somebody insults you, it's your tendency to insult them back. God's word says don't seek personal revenge. Got some backup scripture here on this. Proverbs 20 says, Say not thou, I will recompense evil. Don't, don't say that. I will get them. Rather, it says this, wait on the Lord. What, what am I supposed to do? Wait. Wait on who? The Lord. 
You, you see, actually, revenge, when, when you, and I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not preaching to you like I think everybody in here is out to get somebody else. But I know me. And I know there's times when if, if somebody I feel or I perceive that I've not been treated right, it's in me to rise up and say, that's not right. But revenge rises, Charles Bridges said, only because we have no faith. I don't really trust that God's going to take care of this, so I'm going to. Another backup scripture is in, in Proverbs 24, say not. So Solomon says, don't, don't say this. I will do so to him as he hath done to me. Isn't that what the Bible says? Treat others like they treated you? No, that's not what it says. Say not, I will do so to him as he had done to me. Hey, you know what this is saying to us? You'll never get ahead by trying to get even. You'll never get ahead by trying to get even. Don't, don't say this, I will render to the man according to his work. Peter went on to say, uh, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing or insult for insult, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that thereunto ye are called that you should inherit a blessing. Jesus says in verse number 39, I say unto you that you resist not evil. Can we deal with that here? Can we, can we deal with what Jesus is saying and what he's not saying? Resist not evil. Evil. Everybody see that? Look at verse 39 again. Resist not evil, Jesus says. Resist not evil. Okay, first of all, I want you to notice this. Jesus recognizes that the insult is evil. He recognizes that the infraction is evil. He does not turn a blind eye to what is evil. We need to be clear then on what does it mean to resist not evil and what it does not mean to resist not evil. I, I don't believe this verse is saying that abuse between spouses or parent to child is, is okay. It's not at all okay. God is in every way against child abuse. God is in every way against spouse abuse. That's not what this is saying. He, he's not saying that you ought to just take it. You ought to just take it. No, listen, if you're in a place, listen to me here this morning, if you're in a place of danger, you need to get to a place of safety. God does not, by this verse, validate abuse of any kind. He's not. It does not mean that it's wrong for you to exercise self-defense. I, I believe if you're attacked, uh, that, that you hope maybe could take flight. That's why I run. Because I think if I'm ever in a bad situation, hopefully I can outrun the guy or her. Whichever one. But if it comes to protecting my family, I'm going to protect my family. Are, 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 you, are you following me here? I don't think Jesus is saying, listen, don't, don't defend yourself. Uh, we have a, a friend that's pretty high ranking in the military and he came and did some training a few years ago at Heartland, just recently did some more about pressure points. I'm telling you, it's one of the most, invi most valuable lessons I've ever learned because of my three boys about pressure points. Good night, that works. It's awesome. I don't care if he is 11. I'm going to take him down with pressure points, you know, because he's got a real good chokehold. I'm talking about Trent. Good night. I mean, he could really put, I, uh, Trevor's not here to back me up or Trent Tyler for that matter. But I'm telling you, Trent has got a chokehold. Don't mess with him. He's <laughs> 12. And uh, man, he's got, so I have to use, you know, the pinky get, get, getting out of that. <laughs> okay, anyways. 
I don't think Jesus is saying, resist not evil. In other words, don't, don't do anything. Just, just get beat up. I don't think that's what he's meaning. It's got a context to it, and I'm just trying to deal with that. I don't, mean, I don't believe for one second that he's saying that there ought not be a police force. That's not what he's saying. Resist not evil. No, no, wait a minute, friend. That would contradict what is said in the Old Testament. That would contradict what's said in the New Testament in Romans chapter 13 that I've already referenced. Hey, listen, police are, are a blessing to society because they encourage the good and they deter the evil. That's a blessing. We've got men here that serve every single service to keep us safe. I want to thank God for everyone here that is a police officer or has wore that title. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying there ought not be a police force. He's not saying that war is wrong. He's not validating pacifism. He's not, he's not saying that there ought not be a war. No, wait a minute. He himself is a divine warrior. In, Roman, in Revelation chapter 19, he's coming. He's coming again, friend, in power and great glory to overthrow the kingdoms of this earth. Hey, listen, don't think our Savior is weak. Don't think he's sick. Don't think that he can't defend himself. He could have called ten thousands of angels, and yet he let them slap him. He let him spit them spit upon him, and that was not a sign of his weakness. That was rather a sign of his great strength. Don't think that this is saying that we ought not go to war. It's right for Israel to defend themselves against terrorists. It's right for the United States of America to have a strong military to be able to combat uh, the, the Taliban and others that are, that are against us and that would seek to bring this country down. Hey, it's right that we recognize today the sacrifices made by those that fought in Europe and also in Asia during the time of World War II and also in World War I and, and also in, in Vietnam and in Korea. It's right that people would go to, to war even to defend the helpless. Are you listening to me here this morning? It's not what Jesus is saying. No way. And it is true that, that those that have been given power and authority as governments sometimes can abuse that power and authority. But what Jesus is saying to his disciples is I want you to let the courts take care of that. You let me ultimately take care of that. But you show love to those that wrong you personally. What does this look like? I asked Brother Sam to help me here, if you don't mind, Brother Sam. All right, let's look at the text. <clears throat> Whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek... Turn to him also the other. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I asked Brother Sam, can I use you this morning? I think he felt something coming. And he said, I cannot promise what my reaction is going to be. <laughs> the Bible says that if a man smites you on the right cheek, now this is being Brother Sam's left here, I'm right-handed. Okay, so my, and most people are right-handed, but he, Jesus said on the right cheek. So if I <laughs> if I slap if I slap him, I'm hitting him on the left cheek, right? So most likely, what Jesus is saying, if somebody, you follow me? How many of you say? How many of you say this right here is an insult? It's an insult. How many of you say this right here more of an insult? Right? There's just something about it. I'm not even slapping you this way. I'm... 
You follow me? That's an insult. So he says, if they slap you on the right cheek, then you turn the other cheek and let them slap you there too. Thank you, Brother Sam. You did great. <laughs> How do you stand there and take that? I've tried to do my due diligence to deal with what this doesn't say. It's not dealing with abuse. I mean, the person's being abusive. Are you following me? It's not a family setting here. It's as my disciple, if they strike you, don't strike back. Did everybody get that? He's not dealing with war. He's not dealing with police department, etc., etc. He's saying, as my disciple, someone's going to insult you. Don't insult back. I find a balance here because when they, when they, when they as Jesus was before the high priest and, and they, they smote him, Jesus asked the question, why have you smitten me? Because I haven't done anything contrary to the law. So it's not wrong to ask. Are, are you following me? But our Savior, who could have, when they smote our Savior, and don't you know they did it in such an insulting way? As a Roman soldier, or as a high priest, guard, they smote him and smote him. Hell thou, king of the Jews. Insulting, insulting, insulting. And, and yet, he didn't strike. I tell, you, I tell you the truth. He could have taken his left hand and smote them and they would have done an orbit around the earth. And he would have smote them back the other way if he had chosen to. Are you following me? It was not a limitation of his power and ability, but it rather was this. It was his love for those who even despised him. As believers, we're going to have people who despise us just because we're believers. Will it come to physical? I don't know. It could come to insulting, creationist. Professor gives you a harder time in class because you believe in creation rather than evolution. Ah, don't, don't strike back. Just write a real good paper. Are you following me? Write it well. What if they take you to, to law and they use a legal system to sue you and they take your coat? Now, this is our coat. We think of it this way. What Jesus was saying, the tunic, the, the undergarment, long, kind of like a long T-shirt. They take your, your tunic. They take your coat. Give them your coat also. The, the coat, the cloak rather, the cloak was uh, actually... For the poor people, if a person was so poor that they had to be, you know, taking their goods to pay their bills and such, they, they would take their cloak, but at nighttime they were supposed to give it back because he needed warmth. Jesus is saying, and this is, by the way, the more expensive, just like in this suit between the shirt and the coat, I'm telling you, the coat costs more. Jesus is saying, don't just give them your shirt. Go ahead and give them what's most expensive. Go above and beyond. For somebody that doesn't even like you. 
as a Jew, if a Roman said to you, carry my, we would say, rucksack, carry it. He was, he was under obligation by the Roman authority to drop everything that he was doing to pick up whatever burden it was that that, that Roman soldier was carrying and to go a mile. I guarantee you, every Jew is doing this. One, two, three, four, counting paces. And as soon as they got to the end of that mile, I, I would almost guarantee there's probably some of this. There. Jesus said, do this. Number one, have a good attitude. Don't count. Get to the end of the mile. If you're going further, I'd be glad to carry it for you. That's hard to say, I'd be glad to. <laughs> if you're going further, I'll carry it for you. Can you imagine what that Roman soldier would have done? You all right, man? <laughs> have you been in the heat? Have, have you been in the sun too long? No, he'd been around the Son of God. Amen. Go another mile. Someone asks you money. I don't think what Jesus is saying here when he says don't refuse them money if they want to borrow something of you. I don't think he's saying here if somebody wants money to build a house or, or to get a car or whatever. I don't think that's what he's dealing with. I don't, I don't think he's saying if somebody's asking you for money to get alcohol or cigarettes or drugs. I don't think that's what he's saying here. I think he's saying this. If you know somebody, even your enemy, that is in legitimate need, then you give them what they need. All four of those, and any other example like that that you want to add to it, call for this. Selfless service. Because if you are filled with self, you're going to say, you hit me, I'm getting you back. But when they hit our Savior... He did not have his own best interest in mind. He had their best interest in mind. We've read of missionaries who have been brutally beaten on the foreign field without retaliating. How do they do that? I'll tell you why. They love their Savior first. And they came there to reach those people even that were beating them. The basic part of this is this. We struggle here because we love ourselves way too much. You're not going to tell me what to do. You're not going to treat me that way. Are you hearing the common denominator? Me, mine, my, I. Jesus is saying, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to leave self out of this and follow me and love all people indiscriminately, even those that are discriminating against you. Even though they are dealing with you in injustice, you deal right, you do what's right, and you show love to them. Render selfless service rather than Revenge. Why? Because he rendered selfless service 
for all of us. Father, I thank you today that our Savior gave us the right example. He spoke to us words that are not easy to be accepted. Goes against our very nature to not have concern for self, but to have more concern even for those that have hurt us. God, I'm mindful today that I may be speaking to someone who's been mistreated by a spouse or an ex-spouse or a parent or someplace at work or a friend. Could be speaking today to someone that's facing some form of ridicule at work or at school. God, you're asking us to go the second mile. In many ways, we don't even want to go the first. I pray that you'd help us to get our focus off of ourselves and to do what's best for your honor and glory and what's best for the other about us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together here this morning. I surrender all. Would you stand as we sing?